Hey everyone, welcome back to Lisa at the Edge. In this episode, I am joined by Mark Schoolman. Mark has been involved with Azure Stack prior to its launch, I think from its inception. Uh, Mark traveled the world for two years providing Azure Stack training. And he's recently created his own Azure Stack training courses. And we learn all about those in this episode. Hope you guys enjoy. Hey, Mark, welcome to the Lisa at the Edge podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No worries. I'm glad that that you've decided to come on. I'm really um, excited to talk to you about your Azure Stack journey. So a few of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is um, back in 2017-2018, you went on quite the journey. I think the hashtag was Azure Stack on tour. Um, and you traveled the world uh, teaching about Azure Stack. Um, And I wanted to learn a little bit about that, about your journey with Azure Stack, um, and then also talk about your new Azure Stack courses that you've developed. Um, Really excited to learn more about them, why you think they're needed, um, who they're aimed at, and what they're covering. That'd be awesome. But before we get into all of that, do you want to just give us a little bit of an update of um, a bit about your background, your role now, and kind of just uh, introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, thank you very much. Um, so my name is Mark Scholman, uh, 35 years old, living uh, again in the Netherlands. Uh, just got off from a suspended world travel tour, but um, I am working as a freelance consultant and my main focus is on Azure and Azure Stack, of course, and the last uh, work that I'm doing is actually more focused on Azure. Um, As you already mentioned, Azure Stack was in the beginning for me um, since 2015 when it just got released uh, or announced, I should say, uh, at Microsoft Ignite. It got my full attention. Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit about, about me and what I've done and what I'm doing now. Yeah. Awesome. Um, you love a world tour, don't you? You seem to get all the jobs that take you traveling. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but as we know, COVID-19 has ruined everyone's 2020 plans. Although, you know, it's thrown the world into turmoil and I'm kind of hoping that maybe we come out of all of this like a better world. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see. Okay, so back in 2015, um, what was it that got your attention with Azure Stack? So, actually, it started in one, one year earlier. Uh, in 2014, I started to work for uh, Innovative, and I joined the Cloud and Data Center team. And first, I was focusing on deployment of Hyper-V and System Center, and uh, then Azure Pack came along, right? Uh, yeah. I don't know if you know it, but Windows Azure Pack was uh, like uh, the Windows Azure portal based on uh, Azure Service Management instead of ARM as we know it today. Yeah. And um, so then I got involved with uh, with HPE to deploy an end-to-end solution for deploying Azure Pack. And um, from there on, um, that was actually a parallel track, right? Because when... Azure Stack was introduced, uh, we also started to invest into Azure Stack knowledge and to see how Azure Stack is going to evolve eventually to uh, to reach customers eventually. And um, 
during that journey, we were also asked by HP to build a training, which was literally a new thing because there was not so much known about Azure Stack. So yeah. uh, after the Azure Pack journey, we created the training and that we had to deliver to um, a lot of people around the world in the two year following. So that's a little bit how it all got started. Ah, okay. Okay. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about that, that training and that journey and what it looked like and what you learned from those two years. So two years training everyone in uh, that needed to be trained in HP um, all across the world. Yeah, how how many um, how many hours have you done with that training? So, all the trainings were uh, five days training, forty or just forty hours a week. And uh, the funny thing, just you're talking about statistics, is uh, we also got it the the numbers of flights, or actually the how many kilometers we've flown, and how many hours we spend up in the air. And we can conclude that uh, myself has flown over 300,000 kilometers over that two years, uh, wow. spending more than 400 hours in a plane. Wow. <laughs> and most of the journey I did with, uh, with Hans Vredevoort and with Bert and, uh, and two other colleagues who were more local. So, yep. Yeah. So you were basically just traveling to a location, spending five days training a team, moving yep. on to another location spending mm, we, we did we did actually two 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 cities in a ge geographical region a month try to okay. uh, combine it and for example we had crazy months where we were five weeks my most amount of time away from home was five weeks in a row wow um and and, and usually we try to do it one week uh, one week off one week back at home and then yeah. the other week off and so on and so on Right. And it was really interesting. I learned a lot about different cultures, uh, yeah. how people attend these trainings, right? And, and uh, how you need to get people's attentions and where you can get the most interaction with people. It's, it's, uh, culture is a big thing, actually. So uh, that's what yeah. I learned a lot. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine that sort of icebreaker type thing yeah, exactly. at the beginning differed from country to country, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. What was one of your favorite um, cities that you visited? So I, I, I like the one most in, in, in the US because those are, you know, more the, the, the people that are, are seeking the interaction with you. They are not scared okay. or, or, or a little bit shy on, on, on a culture, cultural thing, right? Uh, and what it gave me was really good interactions and, and a deeper level of giving these trainings because uh, you get multiple perspectives on how people see Azure Stack. And yeah. uh, if you have people that are just sitting and listening, uh, you tell your story, of course, they will understand you and they will follow along, but it's your version of the story you're telling. And when you have more interaction during these trainings and these courses, uh, it, it evolves the training materials as well, because you can yeah. have a better uh, story telling storyline in, in, in your course. So uh, that's what I learned a lot as well. Yep. Especially with something that is so new. I think that interaction is so important because you need to you need feedback on whether what Absolutely. you're saying is resonating, whether it makes sense, whether you know the 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 sort of 
people are able to piece together the dots and they do understand what it is and what it isn't because we we know yep. that it's been hard to explain what Azure Stack is to people who are used to dealing with on-premise premises <laughs> on-prem <laughs> uh, infrastructures <laughs> infrastructures um yep. and hadn't really maybe had that much exposure to the likes of azure or aws so exposure to that mm -hmm. cloud native world um and it was really hard to explain what azure stack was because because to say that azure stack is azure in your data center where you can run a subset of services azure services and you interact with it through the azure portal arm etc doesn't make any sense to someone who doesn't know what azure is so it really is a when teaching people about Azure Stack and maybe not, not so much now, but you have to really set that scene. You have to set the scene as to where the product came from, where it's going, all that kind of stuff so people can understand. So yeah, I can imagine that feedback helps. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and even if you, if you go back in time in 2016, especially beginning 2017, is that where, you know, Azure Stack, when, we, when it hit GA, uh, we anticipated as a non-production ready system. At least that's how I always sold it. You know, I mean, I always told my customers, okay, if we hit the GA, I mean, if, if you would translate it into a traditional data center setup, mm -hmm. it's not a production ready system. It's a system to help your organization to transform to cloud native application deployment and cloud native deployment for virtual machines. And that was that was the hardest discussions that we had because people were need to buy I don't know half million million dollar system uh, uh, to to do POCs but it's it's like uh, being in the cutting edge of technology where you can start already uh, transforming these applications and these services into cloud native applications in your own data center. And that's all. And that's your... why. On you go. Yeah, sorry. Um, so, and that, and uh, uh, I was saying that was where it's uh, headed for, right? And I think uh, the first year after GA, or actually I should almost say one and a half year, they did a lot of improvements on stability on the system. Where you can, okay, you can have two regions. If you are not highly dependent on high-speed networking, you 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 can have production-worthy systems running on top of those environments nowadays. But it was a hard discussion in the beginning, right? In mm. my opinion. And uh, again, it was more about transforming your organization to be ready once you have these uh, disconnected scenarios or you are uh, needed data sovereignty uh, scenarios where you ha need to have running stack in your own data center uh, where it fits in the story. And people couldn't buy it that easily in the beginning. So, you know? Yeah. And I think that's just that's just a natural thing for the IT community, right? Because we know that traditionally we are slow to innovate. We're slow to change and we're slow to look for new things. And that's because lots of companies need guarantees, reassurance. If I'm going to spend this money, I'm going to get it back. Um, yep. And there's a lot of fear about being wrong as well. And all these things kind of mix up to put a big barrier in front of innovation. And therefore, those conversations would have been extremely hard. 
and it would really only yep. be the customers that were taking the time to really understand about cloud and look at their future strategy and where they were going that would understand the benefit of being at that cutting edge um, to, to get there. I mean, even today, we still have, and I still struggle to be fair, and maybe you can help me here. I still struggle to explain the BCDR requirements around hub because they're not the same as a traditional virtualized platform. You can ask the same types of questions that you would normally ask um, around DR, etc., because they don't it's not the same you know you you have to make the mindset shift and you need to change your operations in terms of you need to deploy in a cloud native way and once you deploy in a cloud native way the bcdr requirements are, are a lot different you're focusing at the application yep. layer and it's it's just a different way of working but i i definitely still struggle to explain that to people when they're asking me very traditional dr questions in relation to azure stack hub yeah, and that's where actually Azure lacks, in my opinion, because if you look at like a traditional storage administrator and a backup administrator, right, where you today in virtualization land, right, you can install all kind of uh, solutions which do as low level possible snapshotting uh, of, of, of the storage and, and do backups based on of those snapshots, which improves and reduces time uh, enormously when you need to do backups for example but in Azure Stack um, we need to we need to go back in, in time uh, almost back to 2010 right where we had to install agents inside virtual machines to actually uh, backup data over the wire outside of the stand in order to have backups um, in a cloud native way what you could do is if you have for example uh, storage replication you can do storage copy with AC copy between two stamps uh, if you need to uh, duplicate blob storage for example and I think that's uh, that's already a, a whole different way than than how you uh, do it in a virtual in a virtual machine way if you go more to the platform uh, as a service layer I think that's um, more of all still has the, the, the challenges to, to replicate the data, but you can actually uh, have two Aztec hubs and you can actually uh, have um, pointing to storage to one region, uh, do an AG copy on the background to the second region and have them load balanced. And the only thing you need to do is change the storage connection string once you have a major uh, failure on one region. So, yeah. Yeah, there are definitely things, there are things that you can do to get to what you need, but it is a, it is a different way of working and you need to really understand how you are deploying your applications and yep. what you need to back up, et cetera. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a, but that said, there is a, there's a good BCDR white paper that Microsoft have put out in terms of like working through all the different things that you would need to do to make sure that you've yep. got the um the availability that you require um going through both the platform level and then your uh virtual machines or your applications that you're running on top um, and i think also the third-party vendors are were jumping in pretty good on this one because uh, they have solutions uh, where you can do really good uh DR scenarios of uh, yeah. of your virtual machines from Azure Stack Hub. 
talking about those uh, vendors, <laughs> Dell um, has a has a private preview program running right now for our data domain integration, where we've created a, a full blown resource provider integration, so that when you are, you know, it's not got an agent, it's you know, it's full blown cloud native type. You're setting up your VMs. You can then say when you want to back up. And then you can back it off to to data domain. So, and and you know, there's all there's other options as well, like Veeam, etc. Um, but all those yep. things are really, like you say, they're all they're all coming along. They're no longer uh, they're no longer a problem. Um, and I think it's yeah, and that and that makes the problem that makes the product uh, more mature, in yeah. my opinion, for enterprise customers. Where I would say again, then we have a production ready system ready yeah. for customer, like a, a plug and play system, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or like some would say, pluck and pray, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah. So in terms of Azure Stack training, then, um, what what were your sort of big takeaways from those two years that you spent training people, and what what are those things that have led you to where you are now, where basically you're creating your own training courses, right? Yep, true. So in the past, we did five days training and we jumped and we packed as much content in those five days. Uh, we started actually from all the way of 2016 server, right? Uh, all the way to what is Azure, what's ARM. And then we went into platform as a service and then we went into the infrastructure side of Azure Stack. And then we went to the uh, architecture of Azure Stack. And it was a lot of content we, we packed into a week. And I found that uh, there were two types of, or actually three types of people in my training, right? We had the architects, we had the people who, who operate them, uh, or who will operate them, and with marketing folks. So day one and two was interesting for the marketing folks. Day three was interesting for, um, for the operator. And yeah. a half day of the day four and the last one a half day was interesting for the architect and i found that that's that a more role-based definition um, of, of content was needed so that led me to my own courses where i thought okay first i need a one-on-one course on what is hashtag and i yeah. transformed it into the whole hashtag family where we have hashtag hci hashtag hub and hashtag edge and we're really it's one-on-one it's like if you're a salesperson and you have no idea what's Azure Stack and what's the Azure Stack family about you learn something about it it's a little bit more technical than than, than sales wise because um, I like to use the demos for for it's like also an introduction for the following courses that come along yeah the second course that I'm building now uh, are the operator course which will just solely may, uh, be focused on operating the stack. It means you receive Azure Stack from your vendor installed in your data center. You are hand over the Azure Stack uh, uh, information.json file with all the configuration details. And now what, right? What yeah. I need to do now? Actually, from that point onwards to all the tasks that an operator needs to do will be covered in that particular course. Um, and the last one is the architect course. And that's more like if you are working in a hosting provider world where you might want to have five or six hashtags deployed worldwide, what's the best architecture and how does a hashtag integrate 
into an environment like a hosting provider or an enterprise. It's like yeah. for the architect that needs to design a solution for the business and needs to know the characteristics of Azure Stack. So how can I integrate into my network? How does identity work? Um, what kind of certificates uh, do I need and how do I deploy these? And, and uh, are we going to focus on uh, infrastructure as a service with Azure Stack or are we going to focus on battle as a service? So what is the use case for it and how do we scale that? Uh, so um, how do you call that the, the Excel sheet? The, capacity calculator yeah it's, it's going to be handled there as well right these kind yeah. of uh, things because those are really these are really important steps for just the architect and the operator doesn't care about what happens in the architect course and the salesperson will never reach that stage so that's that's for me a big learning that i had over the last few years with, with teaching azure stack we, we we pack too much into one course and people yeah. got lost after two and a half days yeah. and then eventually that I still come back with the questions that you actually literally have had explained uh, maybe two days earlier or, you know, not because it's just because it's a lot of content. Yeah. You've got to kind of take time to let it, let it sink in. So digest it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so the first course then the one oh one, um, that's an online virtual self-paced course. Is that right? Yep. And it covers yep, yeah, so much yeah yeah it's, it's an online course which uh so the reason why i wanted to do that is because uh also because of the COVID situation but yeah. actually just before before it all happened i started working on it um because i think it's an easier way to repeat yourself right uh, mm -hmm. i don't need to be there in person the problem was with uh with instructor-led trainings is you can only do x amount a year if you to in person and provide the virtual content as well, uh, you can duplicate yourself. So you can train more people or if they want to, of course, but yeah. Yeah, very true. And also I really like that idea because um, actually you're putting your focus where it's probably most needed and where you're going to need that interaction and, and back and forth. Whereas if you can give people a, a one on one level set through a virtual online course that yep. they can do at their own pace, it warms them up to um, if they're going to go on to do another course and will help them understand which one they need to go and do. Um, but also yep. for the people, like you say, like salespeople, they can just stop there, right? And that's that's them done. And I, I like the fact that you say that actually it maybe has a little bit more technical content because um, I have some opinions on how... Uh, so I, I I absolutely get that salespeople <laughs> that salespeople <laughs> don't need to be technical, right? And I and I get that. But no. as we move to this new world of cloud native containers, the difference between virtualization, what is true IaaS, what is PaaS? Like I'm sorry, but your conversations are going to change massively from how much storage do you need? Can I sell you some servers? How much like CPU, RAM and, and whatever do you need? Because, you know, enterprises and customers have been working with pretty static applications or they've had pretty steady growth or they haven't had to go through much change. Whereas now what customers are doing is they're looking to modernize their applications, right? So there's that other, a, a lovely buzzword that's, you know, umbrella covers like 20 million different scenarios. 
And what you need yep. to be able to do is to navigate those scenarios. You need to be able to have a conversation with a customer that digs a little bit deeper into what are they actually looking for? What are they trying to do? What's their end goals? And why, whilst they might still be quite business level, um, I think you need to be able to work back a little bit to then figure out where you want to go and the mass, like the range of products and options that you could go in. Um, and I think that just like, you know, salespeople have got to the point where they understand the, the basics of storage and CPU, RAM servers, basic DR and stuff, they're going to need to begin to understand what is actually IaaS, what's PaaS, what's containers, yep. what's, you know, and, and therefore what does Azure Stack Hub or any other product actually allow the customer to achieve? That's just my little soapbox rant there. Um, but, but, but that's my opinion. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So the other two courses, are they in-person courses or will they be online in-person courses? So there will be, uh, uh, all, there will be, all the courses will be online, uh, or online uh, content. Uh, but what I want to do is with uh, with both operator and architect, we'll get some uh, community form uh, attached to it, which where you can actually discuss with, with me and other people who are following the course, just questions or ideas. And in the architect, uh, so because to make it a little bit also attractive uh, to to follow the course is. Um, if you follow the course along, probably you're following the course because you want to design your own hashtag implementation, right? And if you, uh, in the end, there's an assignment uh, to design your own hashtag environment and uh, submit that. And then actually I will review that together with you and give you advice on yeah. that. So there's there's an additional one-on-one -on -one attached to it, but after the course, right? So yeah. there's like uh, X amount of topics you first have to go through uh, you have to then do an assessment or uh, you get an assignment to, to design your own um, uh, implementation of Azure Stack and then you submit that and then we have a discussion. Uh, so that's, the, that's my idea of actually trying to bring it more in person, but yeah. also in a, in a way that's, you know, efficient for all of us, right? Yeah, I think that's a really great idea. I think that's super valuable. Um, you know, it's all fine and well to take a test, tick some boxes and get a certification. But yep. I think, you know, actually ha having an assignment to design the architect and then be able to discuss that and understand what you've got right, what you might have got wrong or it will. That's a perfect way to check whether you've understood the content. Um, and then also you can help them going forward with, you know, if they are they are implementing their Azure stack. That's really cool. That, like that's that from idea. me, my business. That's my business case, right? Because yeah, so if yeah. they, if you we have the first lines open and if they need any help, I mean, you, you create a connection with a, with a, with a new customer in that case where, you know, you could have a long-term relationship with, with that customer. Absolutely. So the operator course then, uh, that one really interests me because I do think that that part of Azure Stack Hub is overlooked. Um, and it's so crucial and it's so important. And if people do overlook it or don't understand it, it can mean that you don't get the most out of your Azure Stack Hub or you're stalled in, in, um, in starting to get the use out of it. Because whilst it is unlike any other, like we keep saying, 
uh, infrastructure that you'll have in your data center, you know, delivered as an appliance, you run patching updates from your OEM and Microsoft. Yep. It's, you know, in Dell's case, in Dell's case, the touch of a button um, and all this kind of jazz. That, that's great. And it's a great sales pitch. And it is true to an extent. But I think what then gets missed out is that's the case from an appliance perspective and an infrastructure perspective. But with Azure Stack Hub, Microsoft aren't behind the scenes. So you have to be behind the scenes. It's up to you to populate the marketplace. It's up to you to create and understand things like offers, plans, and subscriptions, which is, even if you know Azure, is not something that you will know because Microsoft do that, right? They present those things right. to you. Um, you need to manage the capacity. You will need to deploy any PaaS services that you want to run. So, yeah, just wanted you to talk a little bit about what's on the, the operator course and um, if you agree, if that's like a, an, an important part of the puzzle. I think you already mentioned a lot of the content that that's being discussed there. Because yeah, I do agree that uh, that those topics are really important. Also, uh, I think in enterprise scenarios where I will, where I will also focus on is building your own custom images, custom marketplace images, because I think that's an important topic. It's undervalued, or uh, you know, it's not really clear. So uh, I have some topics there about it as well. Uh, monitoring integration into third-party mm -hmm. uh, uh, monitoring tools. I think that's yep. a really important topic, which will be covered. Um, so you mentioned already plans, offers, um, and, and quotas. Quota management really important as well, of course. Yeah. Um, another important topic is resource providers because, of course, the app service MySQL SQL is more work than when we're going to, for example, Event Hub, because Event Hub is just like, okay, you go to the marketplace, you select your RP, and you click mm -hmm. install. But yeah. still, a lot, of, a lot of things are happening behind the scenes, uh, deploys clusters, and uh, I think for capacity management, it's also important to understand what does it mean if I install a resource provider onto my Azure stack, which probably will be partly of the architect course, uh, but also for the operator course to understand yeah. what's going on, what does what kind of impact does it have on my system if I deploy that, um, and the other PNU will be covered as well. Um, the usage and billing will be uh, yeah. how to retrieve the the usage from 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 the systems and how does it differ from. Uh, when I retreat from Azure, for example, yeah, because there are different meters um, in stack and, and use in Azure. Uh, it's yeah. important to understand the differences and why you want to take data from Azure stack instead of Azure or the other way around. Um, so, yeah, there are some things you need to think about uh, in order to make. Uh, yeah. And so those will be part in the operator course. Yeah. yeah. Do you cover anything? Um, so, I think one thing as well that's uh, is maybe hard for, I think, service providers to do. So say um, a service provider wants to get Azure Stack Hub and they want to provide it to um, their customers, say in a multi-tenant environment. So say they want to have it just like they probably run their private clouds and, and carve that out to multi-tenant customers and say they want to do that for a hub. Obviously, they might have hubs that they run specifically for one customer. Yep. But I think that, and I have a little bit of experience with this and why I'm asking, is um, creating cost models for that and figuring out how you're going to bill and charge for that can be yeah. qu 
quite quite difficult because yeah. it's one thing to take maybe the cost of you know the hardware and then but it but to merge that with meters that are running to predict storage usage and vm usage it's quite complicated and i think it, it takes a lot of that's, that's that there's one other important thing is that your, your customers doesn't see the price in the portal right so mm -hmm. they need to yeah. so yeah. you need already something external uh, in order to to map your prices per hour or per day or at least right you have a marketplace full full with uh, with images and i mean if i don't know what it costs i i'm probably will be careful with deploying right if i yeah. don't have an upfront agreement with, with my with my hoster so mm -hmm. um i think there's a a lot of misunderstanding or yeah things to improve in my opinion um and this was also one of the funny things in one of the one of the first technical sets of Tech, we were talking of they were talking actually from yeah you can uh, display prices in the portal you can hook into uh, the use rp and then you can send price updates into the portal that was the first message back in 2016 that that's the way how we're gonna um show price into the portal and now it's never it never came after that. yeah <laughs> so yeah it's, it's, it's definitely something that that takes that takes a lot of thought can be done but you're going to need to really work to make that that happen so you need to build something yourself and uh, and, and probably also uh, how are you going to onboard your customers so you need to mm -hmm. onboard the aad from your tenant and you yep. need to onboard users uh, you need to set up a billing model with the customer and all that is now outside of azure stack which is also an interesting opportunity for for third-party vendors of course yes yeah and there's um there is some out there looking looking at all that stuff. Yep. Awesome. So um in terms of so we'll put I will put the link to your 101 course to sign up for your 101 course in the notes of the podcast. Um but when are you so I suppose the 101 is self-paced, but do you have like intake dates for the other two or again is it so just what i did <clears throat> so yeah what i did is uh i, I put them on pre-order and and what i did is uh, or what my idea actually is is um building modules and drop them as soon as they're finished because it it, it keeps the content uh new uh that's what i also like about uh, the hosting that i that i have for these particular courses is we can deploy modules uh by module actually right so if you sign up on the course uh, i can re-record modules and upload them so you have new versions uh, so for me it's very easy to uh just swap out the module and bring in a new one so yeah. my idea is actually that uh, people can already start signing up onboarding uh, and probably within the next two months uh, the first modules on both courses will appear nice nice and then and i'll just drop ship them like like when they're done you know and you can get a feedback and what i like about this way is in the future i can add new modules or maybe people have struggling with x y or z or whatever mm -hmm. topic they bring on and you can just add it to the course yeah and also um what you could do as well is um for people who go through sort of the first or second like versions you can when modules are updated 
uh, or new content becomes available, you can reach out to, will they have, um, and I might be asking you questions that you've not thought about here, so you don't need to ask if you don't need to answer, but will they have like lifetime access or will they get sort of time to complete? Because then you could say to people, you know, when a module is updated or when new, new content is available, I can let you know and you can come back um, yeah. to, to go so through that. My, my idea is to have lifetime access anyway, uh, right. because I, I like the subscription models. Uh, I yep. think they're... Uh, not valuable enough in my opinion yeah. if there's a real ask for it i might consider it like uh, you know the pro sites are doing in this world they just charge you a monthly fee right um i don't I, you know there's there's yeah. a, a, a learning platform and a content platform and i don't want to be a content platform which you can get content for a monthly subscription basis uh, i'd rather be a learning platform where we have people dedicated to the content and having discussions uh, with with yeah. other folks or with me. So that's, I think that's how I want to differentiate myself. Do you know what? I think that's a really good idea. And when we think about it, when we think how fast the world of Azure and Azure Stack moves, it would almost be unfair to say, well, here's your course for what the <laughs> what, for what the world looks like now but you yeah. know you know so actually yeah i really like that idea really like that people yeah. can um just continue to to keep learning and i actually think that's such a good such a good mix of online and in person because like you say if they have a community to talk to other people, ask questions, that's always brilliant, right? If you've got a whole load of people working on the same thing, they can share their different scenarios. They can obviously come yep. to you for expert advice. And I think going through that, um, how to design uh, in, on the architect course is a brilliant idea. Um, that I think, yeah, lifetime lifetime, lifetime uh, access works works the best. So I think that's, you're being really like yep. honest there and delivering value because you could yep. you could sort of say you know it moves fast so you need to pay to keep up to date but actually um yeah that sounds like a brilliant idea oh i'm excited for you um thanks i've already i've already shared the link to the 101 course a few times to a few different people and i think i might take Thank it as much. well um so i'll do that and uh give you give you feedback oh and i'll I'm yeah, I do appreciate feedback. So uh, if you have any any feedback on any any topics, uh, let me know. Yeah, will do. Um, and it'd be good for me to do some uh, learning like that again, um, especially because we are doing beginning to do quite a lot of enablement sessions um, with sales and pre-sales and and different teams within Dell who are wanting to know more about Azure Stack Hub. So that's great. So and not that I'll not that I'll copy your your learning. But it will enhance my knowledge and enable me to to deliver the message in a better way. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. I'm really excited for you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm excited as well. It's uh, and it's really you know it's like a new stuff, things you've never done before. I also you yeah. know, started uh, recently doing YouTube uh, videos, like one on one or not? No, sorry. Um, like 10 to 15 minute videos uh which is in the beginning it's really hard to do and you are you know a little bit scared or reactions but eventually yeah. you just need to do it right it's just uh the only thing to get feedback is just do it and then learn from it otherwise you you won't do it yeah that's 
yeah that's so true I still need to I said at the beginning of lockdown I was going to do all the things that I'd said I would go wanted to do and had never done so that was blog podcast and potentially do videos I've yet to do videos um the podcast is I'm loving doing the podcast it's going it's going great we get people like you on um and I had I've got 10 episodes out now this is my second episode recording this week and I think I've got seven or eight scheduled so I'm just I was just looking for a few others and that'll be 10 and then I'll and then I'll take a break then and then see 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 what see what I'll do next but yeah I need to I still need to figure out what I want to do in terms of video content if I want to do it um if I just want to play around and do like a monthly update like just a personal update or yeah I don't know yet can't decide but I'm thinking about putting, <laughs> yeah exactly I'm thinking about putting um these podcasts on YouTube so um I'll, nice. I'll I'll do that and then uh we'll, we'll see what happens um but yeah so I suppose one last thing to to talk about is um just where so we spoke a lot about how far Azure Stack Hub has come and you know with the creation of the Azure Stack family Azure Stack HCI Azure Stack Edge etc um is there anything is there anything any topic or any area that you're excited to see how it's going to all sort of pan out in the future for Azure Stack Hub? Yeah, well, that's just just uh, I think from an, uh, um, a high level overview perspective is I'm really interesting in how products going to evolve around Hub Edge and the edge zones that Microsoft is now releasing mm. and, and building uh, these edge zones. I think um, I have a blog ready. I haven't posted it yet because I want some review from, from other folks. Uh, because uh, actually what I'm saying there in the blog is that, that it seems Microsoft is doing uh, the same trick they did to the hosting provider world in 2016-16, right? With Azure, Azure Stack. Yeah, um, they 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 moving into a direction um, where they they want to operate networks in cities and and areas. And my opinion is, you give first the, the um, so, but really, it's my own opinion, right? It's not not uh, just what I'm, what I think it's, it's heading to, is that um, Microsoft providing. Uh, like like the telcos uh, with with tools to bring 5G and 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 S technology to cities, yeah. where probably within five to ten years, with the whole network Microsoft already owning and operating, it will be all like a one big backbone of Microsoft with directly integrated into the tools that they are building on top of Azure, like IoT solutions or uh, or data solutions, which literally live. Uh, near the edge in every city, uh, in every street, um, owned and operated by Microsoft. So the edge zone is, is a really interesting topic. I was thinking and hoping that Azure Hub was doing that, but it seems they're building something something different for that. Yeah. Uh, they, they do use the Azure Edge appliance with a 5G module for small environments. But okay. again, I don't know how it will look like for for, for big cities, they just started. I think started now in four or five cities in the U.S. The, the big, the big areas, 
uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if like, for example, um, the T-Mobiles the or, the, or the Verizons will be, uh, will be attacked with, with this. First, of course, it will be a joint effort, but yeah. the same, it's the same with service providers, right? Uh, you need to have uh, such a unique offering in order to be competitive. Um, yeah. And it's a shift of, 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 uh, uh, of focus for your business, right? If you are a service provider trying to compete against Microsoft, you're losing it. If you have evolved to uh, uh, maintaining and deploying solutions on top of Azure for mm -hmm. your customers, yeah. you won, right? Yeah. Just a little uh, biased way, but in two, in two utmost uh, different scenarios, right? Yeah. It's the same where people are scared for their job in the past, right? Where IT admins were afraid for their job. They're transforming only. It's not going away. Yeah, but yeah, again, yeah. so for for from from my perspective, with where are we going with with hub edge and and, and HEI is where I think the edge zones will be uh, a big uh, will be a, a big impact as well, and I think internally a big competitor for for hub. So where I thought in the past that hashtag um, hub was for service providers and not so not so for enterprises. Actually, I do see now yeah. hub really. Uh, focusing for enterprises, yeah. uh, where I believe Aztec Edge in the combination with the Edge zones uh, are, are more for telcos and service providers to to deploy solutions on top of Edge uh, so Edge zones and, and not be be uh, dealing with all the infrastructure layers. Right? Yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it because I think you're totally right. At the beginning we were thinking Azure Stack Hub service providers. I think that that is still, I think if you can get that right, that's a massive opportunity. I think a lot of people struggle to get it right. Um, I think, yes, we're seeing a massive shift. Like we're definitely seeing enterprises um, using Hub. And um, it's funny because, yeah, telcos now are trying to figure out, they, they want to do more than just provide network. They want to provide yep. services. So they're, looking to become more service provider like and they're looking at yep. you know all kinds of various solutions including azure stack hub um and it, it'll be interesting to see because if microsoft are doing their own version with uh, edge zones then will telcos go with other technology to create their own offering and then will they compete or if well, they did you can use Microsoft. you can you can you can use private edge zones as a telco and do the same as Microsoft again. But and, and, and that I think that's a proper so I think that's a proper way forward for a telco. You just first buy the uh, buy the solutions from Microsoft because they want to compete eventually with you. But just buy buy your own competition, right? Mm. Make sure that you know your stuff. On top of that, make make Microsoft. And take over your infrastructure, right? Mm -hmm. Because that are no cost anymore for you eventually as a business thing, right? Yeah. And you are ready to deploy top on, uh, to deploy stuff on top of that. So that means you keep ahead in the market with your competitors. So it feels like a, an unnatural thing, right? To buy your competitor stuff, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it gives you an advantage because you can start focusing on building solutions on top of it. And that's yeah. will, that's your market in five years from now. Yeah, my just I mean, my own my own thoughts, right? Yeah. 
No, but that's like, it's like you say, it's exactly the same as the conversation around service providers seeing Microsoft as a threat when actually yep. all you need to do is level up, just move up the stack. So start, yep. you know, managing um, Azure Stack virtual machines and services and all the governance around that because that's a massive job. You know, True. people, you know, that's just like your service provider, you're just going to manage from this infrastructure to managing infrastructure in the cloud. And then, you know, like you say, buy your competitor, buy a hub and have it on-prem for those customers who need to have um, stuff on-prem. So yeah, it's just about, it's just about everyone moving up a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that, that's, that's what I think that, that will happen in, uh, in, in the longer term, let's say, I don't know, five or 10 years. Hmm. Interesting. Well, if Lisa Edge is still going at five or 10 years, Mark, we'll come back. Yeah, we have to look back. Yeah, we'll yeah. Come back to this point. <laughs> See if we've been right. Exactly. Amazing. So we'll just wrap up then. So you're back in the Netherlands. Where were you just before that, Florida? Uh, yeah, so we just came back from three months US. Um, if we go a bit further back uh, to uh, September, October 2019, uh, we sold a house and we decided to go on uh, on travel. Um, and well, we first went to Japan, we went to Australia for two months, so one month Japan, two months Australia, then another one and a half month uh, Japan. And then we came back in the Netherlands, and that was actually the moment that COVID started to, you know, uh, impacting people's lives. Yeah. Um, and and because we had the MVP summit in uh, in 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 the US, of course, in, in Redmond. Yeah. Uh, um, my schedule was to go to the MVP summit, and from the MVP summit back to Japan. Uh, so because I already had booked Japan. And the MVP summit, has, MVP summit has gone virtual. We still decided to go to the US, but then not to Seattle. But you know, because I had to fly eventually from Seattle to uh, to Japan. But yeah. Seattle was a pretty hard hit area as well with COVID. We diverted to to Denver, and then it started going more crazy uh, with 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 cases and. Japan got cancelled, and then we thought, okay, we'll probably stay here for a while. <laughs> so we stayed almost, yeah, the, the full ESTA time, we <laughs> we stayed in the US. And the first time I got a mail from the US government saying, uh, you're, be aware that you don't uh, let your ESTA expire because there have severe consequences. Oh, <laughs> so we, we are. We were eight days before the end, we were gone. So uh, wow. we arrived last week back here, yep. And yeah. from Denver, we started, since we had to go lockdown, we thought, okay, if you want to go somewhere in lockdown, where do we want to be? And then we thought, okay, let's be a sunny, a sunny, a sunny state, all right? So I went to Florida. Awesome. Awesome. That's yeah. definitely the way to do it, so. Yeah. And, well, uh, for the, we, we, we canceled the rest of the travels for the rest of the year. Uh, and we, we, we're now looking for, for a house. We're actually just... Uh, got one we're going to rent a house here for at least a year and then we'll see how the world travel will continue and and how things will look like in the world then but uh, we, we we thought because of all the measurements that are going on around the world with the borders mm -hmm. being open closed or with mm -hmm. quarantine measurements we thought yeah. okay just go back and 
lay low. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's kind of no point in trying to guess what's going to happen and travel right now. Better to wait until things settle down a little bit more. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, I hope it all settles down and you guys can continue your world tour. Did you yep. Did you really like Japan? Is that why you kept going back? Yeah, well, just because of my assignment. Uh, I have right. to be there uh, oh, yeah. a few a, a few weeks in every three months. So uh, then we go to Japan. And ah. the reason why I went to Australia is because we always wanted to go to Australia. We might uh, even consider moving over there. So we thought, ah. okay. And because we had to be back in Japan in January, we thought last year, okay, we go first to Japan. Yep. And then we go two months to Australia. And then we go back again. So that's why we stayed the whole... Yeah, last Understood. year, last, the end of last year in, uh, in Australia, yep. That's very cool. My friend was supposed to be going to Japan in September. She was really excited. I'd love to go to Japan, but um, that's all just been cancelled. It's, it's, it's an amazing country. It's, it's, uh, it's a, a weird country, but in, in a positive way. Yeah. Right? It's, it's like all the cultures and, 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 and people, they are, yeah, they're really, yeah, it's really nice. Nice. You will, you will enjoy it. I can recommend yeah. it. Yeah, I would, I would love to go. Well, it's been lovely having you on, Mark. It was good to catch up. It's been a long time since I've seen you. I think we... Yeah. Did we meet at the... Airlift. Airlift. Yeah, I was back airlift in Seattle. <laughs> yep. Less said about that, the better. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, that was a long time ago. Um, yeah, still both in the Azure Stack world. Well, yep. thanks for coming on. I will link your me. your um, courses link in the in the podcast notes so that anyone who's listening and wants to check those out can do. Um, and we'll keep in touch. And I will speak to you yeah, soon. Yeah, thanks. Have a good day. Bye bye. Bye. -bye. bye.